we have been in the book of Ephesians since March. And this, sun, this Sunday, this morning, we will conclude the book of Ephesians. Have you guys enjoyed it? Everything God has taken us through, all the doctrine we have learned through who God is and who we are, the doctrine of Satan, doctrine of election, doctrine of predestination. God has taught us a lot through his scriptures. Last week, we were talking about, for the last two weeks actually, about Satan, his origin and his functions. And how Satan has a plan for everybody in this room. And his mission statement would be this, to kill, steal, and destroy. That is his mission statement for you. And as Paul unraveled the importance of the armor of God, the, the armor of God really reveals the schemes of the enemy. Remember we said that? The belt of truth. Satan always wants to distort truth in our culture, and he's been doing it since day one. Remember Genesis chapter 3, when he asked Eve, did God really say that? What was he doing? He was putting it on Eve to define truth. And as I said before, anytime humanity tries to define truth, distortion and destruction always follows. And then he lies to Eve. And says, surely God will not kill you. Remember? Here's what he's saying. There are no consequences for your sin. Right? God is too good of a God to send anybody to hell. Rob Bell, you may have heard of this man, wrote a book. Said, called it Love Wins. Saying there is no hell. Because God is love, he sends everybody to heaven. Let me just tell you, that is false, deceitful gospel. That is not the truth. There is a heaven, and there is a hell. God created hell for Satan and a third of the demon angels that went with him. God originally created hell for Satan and the demons, not for humanity. Humanity chooses hell when they choose to deny God and follow Satan. God never chose it for humanity. It's his precious creation. So we talked about the armor of God, and now Paul continues in verse 18. This may be a new section in your Bible, but this is under the same breath. This is still part of the armor of God that he speaks about. And in my opinion, the most important piece, you know what that is? Prayer. Isn't it amazing that one of the most important pieces of the armor are one of the most neglected in the Christian life? I always like to say this, if you have no prayer, you have no power. But if you know prayer, then you know power. In World War II, an officer was training his men how in the line of fire, how to be the safest in battle. When war hits, when in war, I'm going to tell you the safest thing to do. So can you imagine? These men are earnestly listening. What do I do? How do I win in war? Here's what he told them. I want you to get on the floor and hug the ground. Hug the ground so that the bullets will miss you. Then here's what I want you to do. Use your knees. Use your knees to, 
to kind of position yourself to move around. Advance yourself on your knees. That's the safest way you can be in battle. What Paul is saying, the safest way to win this spiritual war is on your knees. This is the way you win the battle, is through prayer. Now, I have to be honest. Prayer is unbelievably hard at first. Until you fall in love with it. When I first started praying, I can't tell you how often I'd fall asleep. In fact, if I couldn't sleep, I'd pray so I could go to sleep. Anybody relate to that? Amen? Thank you. A bunch of sinners in this room. I love it. (laughs) Nobody ever wants to sin alone. And then here is the next thing. If I'm being transparent, I didn't know what to pray. It felt like I was just praying the same old stuff over and over. Anybody else been there before? Then, if I did know what to pray, it wouldn't last very long. Kind of like my basketball career in college. Very short. And so these things are challenging, but it's interesting how the most important thing is the most challenging thing in our lives. This morning, here's what I want to give you. Paul unravels, if you don't know how to pray, I would say this is a great way to model your prayer life. Paul gives us five things to win this Christian battle. By the way, prayer is listed 650 times in the Bible. 650 times in Scripture. We see 400 and 50 of those prayers answered. So you see prayer 650 times. You see it answered 450 times. So what about the other 200? I don't know. Good question. It's either no, not now, or wait. But that's just the reality of prayer. Now, how many of you are thankful that God didn't answer some of your prayers? You look back on, listen, you look back on Facebook, Lord, thank you, I did not marry that crazy. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. A lot of times what we don't understand is God is saving you from yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? Yesterday, mama went shopping to last chance. And my kids, like, daddy, can we have a fruit snack? I was like, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. But I was watching the hog games. Like, yes, have a fruit snack and go play somewhere. <laughs> and this was after waffles with syrup. So I gave them a fruit snack. They came back to me. Dad, can I have another fruit snack? One more, that's it, before mom gets home. Gave him another fruit snack. And then my son came back to me again. I'm not, I wish I was lying. I'm not kidding. Dad, can I have another fruit snack? And here's what I said. No, because three fruit snacks will give you a stomach ache. But dad, please, please. And it's interesting how they can, you know, get emotional and they just beg, please, God, you don't even love me. And they're just like, this is, I want this. Say, son, as much as I love you, no, it will give you a stomach ache. So he walks back, just kind of bummed. You know what I love is a lot of times God doesn't give us what we want because he's protecting us from a spiritual stomach ache. No matter how much we beg and plead with God and how much you think you want it, God knows how to lead and protect his children. He knows what's better for you than you know what's good for yourself. And that's hard. That's hard to just accept. Listen to what Paul says, verse 18. 
You want to win the battle? How do you win the battle? Here's what he says. With all prayer and petition. How many of your verses say supplication? Here's what this word means. Petition and supplication. Here's what he is telling him to do. Paul is writing to the church saying, here's the way you're going to win every day battle. With all prayer. What does that mean? All prayer. It's you can come to God and, and be incredibly general with God. All prayer. There's nothing outside the realm of God. There's nothing that you cannot ask God. Do you understand that? Anything you want to bring to God, you can bring to God. And I know the way, it, I know the way that feels. Well, I'm just not, I don't deserve it. Anybody ever feel that way? I don't. I know my heart, and I don't deserve it. That's too big of an ask. Why should I ask? Other people need greater things than I need. You ever felt that too? I'll tell you why. Because 650 times we see prayer throughout Scripture. What is prayer? Communicating with God. You think God's trying to tell us something? Child, communicate with me. Talk to me. He wants to talk to us. With all prayer, here's the first thing we see. Petition. And supplication, what is this? What does this mean? Pray specifically. Pray specifically. But it's not only specifically. It's the posture of prayer in which you pray it in. So let me give you an example. There are times that I just pray, God, please protect my family, watch over them, that kind of thing. But then there's this earnest Prayer, I'll give you an example. When my youngest was taken in the ambulance to the hospital and I'm following him in the car, my wife's not there. I'm in the car by myself and I'm driving. Here's what I do. God, please. It's one of those where nobody else has the power to do what God can do. God, please, from the depths of my soul, please. Don't let them have meningitis. God, please. Like, I think sometimes as Christians, we forget actually who we're praying to, okay? In that moment, petition and supplication, here's what it is. You're, just keep this in mind. You're, you're coming before the throne of God, before the presence of God, who has created everything, who has hung the stars in the moon, who has given us breath and who can take it away, who is the giver and taker of life, who is the provider of all things, who lacks no resources, who gives comfort strength. Who, this is the God we are, provided, we, are, we are praying to, the God of, who provides. The God who hears. I don't understand why the Creator is giving me undivided attention to hear my little prayer request. Yes, there are a bunch of needs out there, but He wants to hear from me because I'm His child. And so here I am. When you pray in that manner that I'm praying to the Creator of the universe, the supplication and petition is this humble request with the understanding only you can do it. Nobody else can do this, God. My bank account can't save this right now. My skill set can't save this. My charisma can't get me where I need to be, God. My, nothing can. Only you, God. You are the only one. And so I'm here in a humble position, Lord, knowing I don't deserve anything from you. But I'm going to ask you, because you want me to ask specifically, will you heal my child? Like that. That's what he wants. But my goodness, how many times do us Christians give God drive-through prayers 
as if he's some kind of window attendant at McDonald's. No. Dine. Dine with the Creator. Sit with the Creator. Put your cell phone away. Turn everything else off. Say, you have my undivided attention. Many Christians complain about not hearing from God. Those same Christians often don't sit with God. To sit with God. And yes, God, I am bored already, and I've been here for 30 seconds, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know what to pray. I'm just going to sit here, God. I'm just going to sit before your presence just to be reminded that you are God and you are in charge and you are sovereign. And in supplication, you ask me to give you this request. So I'm going to give it to you, God. Here it is. And I'm driving in the car and I'm just praying specifically for my son with this heart of turmoil. And I have to get out of the car with this understanding when I get to my wife in the hospital bed. That God may not answer my prayer. That God may not answer my prayer to heal my child. But sitting before him gave me strength that I needed to accept that. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard when my wife's father passed away from brain cancer and we're praying like crazy. You have the power, God, to heal. You you can do this, God. My goodness, we've seen you do great things through Scripture. And her father passed away. That's hard to accept, isn't it? It's hard for our minds to comprehend. But that's why we are just characters and not the author of this thing. The character never gets to write the story. The author does. The character, when you're reading books, they never question the author. Because the author is control. He knows how he's unfolding the story. Is it hard to accept? Yes. Is my wife still mourned seven years later? Yes. But our comfort is that, God, we don't understand. But we know you heard us. We know you heard our prayers. We wish you was still here. And it still hurts. But you heard us. We don't like it. But we trust you. We don't want it. But we trust you. You understand that God wants us to come with this kind of supplication, specific prayers. Specific. I once heard it said, and I think it's true. God never wastes a tear. That God will never waste pain. And according to Romans 8, he brings, works all things out for his glory and for his good. So although you can't see how the story finishes and unfolds, know that the author, the perfecter, the creator is still writing. And he sees how it unfolds. Now, Paul tells him, pray and petition. Pray general prayers, that's okay. But God wants you to be specific. Then he says this, I love this. Pray at all times. How often does he want us to pray? How often? 
What do you think the number one issue is in relationships? You know, people usually say finances. They'll say, you know, you've got all these kind of lists. I love what Grant said. Those are usually symptoms of lack of communication. What Paul is saying through the Holy Spirit, which means it's coming from God, here's what he's saying. Let me translate this. I want you to talk to me at all times. God the creator, who I want to write this down, is telling you, in spite of all your failures and flaws and sins, here's what he's telling you. Forget everybody else in the room. Think about you. He is telling you, I want to talk to you at all times. Like the creator is telling you, I want to talk to you at all times. But God, I got this. I know I want to talk to you at all times. I want you to come to me at all times. And then here's what he says in verse 18. And I want you to pray in the Spirit. There are four different ways he tells us to pray in one verse. The first is specifically, the second is praying in the Spirit. What does praying in the Spirit mean? Here's what it means. Pray depending on on Jesus. Pray depending on the Holy Spirit to utter for you what you cannot utter. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, those are the moderators for humanity to God. So if you're in this room and you never surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you feel like God's not hearing your prayers, what I will tell you according to doctrine and theology, you are correct. You are 100% correct. I hate to tell you that. You're right. If you've never accepted Jesus, you're right. Because the way to God is through Jesus. It's the only way. He is the one who opens the door for us to stand before a holy God one day. Our sin has distorted that. I know you might think, I don't like the way that sounds. Listen, I will tell you, it's simple. We can fix it by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your life. That'll fix it for you. The confidence that we have that a holy God listens to our prayers is not whether or not we've been good that day or bad that day. The confidence that we have whether God listens to our prayers is the fact that we believe in a Jesus that's come and walked this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross as a substitution for our sin, was put in the tomb, rose again three days later, ascended back to the Father. That is our confidence in which we have that God hears our prayers. It's never dependent on you, which that's good news, amen? And it's not dependent on you. So which means on the worst day that you're filled with sin, God still hears your prayers through Jesus if you're a Christian. That's good stuff. That's great. Now, pray specifically, pray in the Spirit. Number three, pray with perseverance. The text, here's what I love about Scripture. When you just follow Scripture, it just unfolds for you. You don't know how to pray? Perfect. Verse 18 would tell us how to pray. First, pray specifically, telling God exactly what you need. Pray at all times. Pray depending on the Spirit. Pray with perseverance. 
It doesn't mean nag God. It really doesn't. It's like, for those of you who are parents, I've said this before, but it's like when your kids are like, Dad, 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 Dad. Now can I have a fruit snack? Dad. It doesn't mean the more we nag God, the more we pray, the more he'll answer. No, 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 no. What this is saying, when you don't feel like praying, pray. When you don't feel God, pray. When you're tired of praying, pray. When you don't want to pray anymore, pray. Pray, persevere, push through. That's what it's saying. Then, then here's what it says next. Pray for all the saints. What does that mean? Pray for others. Here's what I thought about this. Pray for your enemies. My gosh, what? You know those people you can't stand? Those people you don't see eye to eye with? Some of them may be within your own family. I have note cards that I have. I hope nobody ever finds this. But every day of the week, I pray for different staff members and their families by name. So every day of the week, I pray for my staff. Then I have one card I hope nobody ever finds. And it's, I got to be honest, it's those that have wounded me deeply. Those that are most critical and just are hard people to deal with. I mean, throughout my entire life. Don't look around like, which one of you is he talking about? No. No, I just mean like my entire life. The fact that my, da- my dad walked out, I got to pray that I don't have a bitter heart. The fact that I've been hurt by the Christians, pray that I don't have a bitter heart. And that cure to a hardened, to softening a hardened heart is praying for those people that have hurt me deeply. And so I have a, I have a little index card. It's filled with names on there. But people probably don't even know they hurt me. They've hurt me and I need to let it go. So Paul is specifically saying, pray for the saints. So he's praying for Christians. Some of those Christians may be the people that have hurt you deeply. I once heard it said, individual prayer would change a life, but corporate prayer would change a city. There's a reason why we stopped all Wednesday night activities in this church. And we said all we're going to do is pray on Wednesday nights for God to do something miraculous in this church. There's a reason why we're doing corporate prayer. i got to admit, sometimes it's probably awkward for our people to sit there and think of things to pray. There's a reason why scripturally we see before God moves in a mighty way, you know what precedes that first? Prayer. Prayer, 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 and then more prayer. Then lastly, here's what he says. Pray for the proclamation of the gospel in verse 19. He says, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, Christian, let me ask you, Paul is telling the church, will you pray for me? God has given me a mission as an ambassador to preach the gospel. Will you pray for me as I preach the gospel? 
So Paul is asking for prayer for himself for the proclamation of the gospel is the fifth thing we see. Here's what I'd ask you. How often, if you're a Christian, do you sit before God before your day starts and say, give me boldness to share the gospel in my workplace? Do you know that God wants to use you? You ever thought about that? He wants to use you to proclaim the gospel. And so what Paul is saying is, I'm going to get timid at times. It's going to be nerve-wracking. It's normal. Pray that I have boldness and courage to share the gospel. So that ought to be a prayer that you pray, college student. My goodness. To, To pray and ask God, will you use me? Will you use me to reach people around me dying and going to hell? Will you use me to share the gospel? Students, high school students, God, will you use me to share the gospel? Parents, God, will you use me to share the gospel? Elders, God, will you use me to share the gospel? Deacons, God, will you use me to share the gospel? Lay leaders, God, will you use me to share the gospel? Church attenders, God, will you use me to share the gospel? Give me boldness to a broken world to proclaim Jesus. Will you use me? That is his prayer. Because nothing else, if you think about it, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Now, Paul ends this by challenging them to pray. And he ends this in verse 23, and this, this book is done. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. That's how Paul closes this off. Say, peace be with you all, that you may experience God's incorruptible, pure, and holy love. 